of Party Down Season 1 is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recap. I am Dr. Amanda, and it is my dream to collect more frogs than anyone in the world. I have my wonderful co-host with me, Emily Fox, a woman who undoubtedly knows the difference between a lemon and a sun egg. <laughs> Emily, how are you doing? I'm great. You know, I don't really feel like I'm tripping on shrooms the mm. way that uh, a specific character who is so hot right now oh, is. Oh, yes. Um, and I'm referring to Jennifer Coolidge, of course, who is just a fantastic addition, even if she's sort of like a guest star for two episodes this season. But yeah, I'm great. I, uh, I definitely know the difference between my citrus and um, made up things that don't really exist. Mm-hmm. Although who knows? A sun mm-hmm. egg could exist. Because um, I was wondering, like, I, I know that you're allergic to chicken eggs. Yes. Are you also allergic to sun eggs? Haven't tried one. I will keep you apprised if the situation changes. Um. <laughs> oh. Well, we're here today to talk about everything that happens in the back half of season one of Party Down, which I think is probably um, one of my most favorite string of episodes in the whole first yes. two seasons. Very fun. Really looking forward to getting into this. Um, if you want to keep up with everything we're doing, you can follow our RSS link at postshowrecaps.com slash party down. You can also search Posho Recaps Party Down in your podcatcher of choice. And that's the way to download, subscribe to the Party Down PSR podcast feed. Um, it's really important to do that, to rate and review us so people can find us. Um, so, you know, definitely, you know, leave us a comment card, uh, leave us, you know, we're, we're very big on that here. Just like Ron, that's a Ron Donald do. We'll get to that later. Um, but, um, yeah, so, um, definitely check us out there. And, um, Emily, there's some news this week in the party down universe. Yes. So a official teaser has dropped for season three. It's about a minute, I would say, uh, and it's just, you know, a grouping of, of a bunch of scenes from the, the current season that's about to debut. It looks great. I was saying to you ahead mm-hmm. of us uh, recording that the production value is much higher, it would appear. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's amazing what, you know, some 15 on years will do when it comes to Absolutely. the recording of audio and video. Um, yeah, no, very exciting. We have the Party Down trailer. Um, lots that we could get into there. Lots of great guest stars that you see. Um, but um, we're going to save that for when we do our season three Um preview podcast so just know that you know february 24th is the premiere of uh party down season three i believe emily as of right now it's only going to be airing on stars and the stars tv app Mm -hmm. so um just be prepared for that it just looks really fun um obviously we're going to be uh covering that here in the party down poster recaps feed so um emily yes Let's get into episode six of season one of Party Down. We are going to Taylor Stiltskin's Sweet 16. What a name. Taylor (laughs) Stiltskin. Uh, I don't think I realized her last name was Stiltskin until I was taking notes on this episode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. 
Um, this is quite the sweet 16. There's a lot of teenage drama happening. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, uh, you know, inter fighting happening amongst the other characters who are both attendees of the, the sweet 16, but also just different coworkers from party down. And Mm -hmm. it's all of the drama and, and chaos that you would expect from an episode, but it's on a boat. It's on a, it's on the club boat, Emily. Yes. <laughs> um, have you ever, have you ever catered to Sweet Sixteen? I have personally not. No, I have not. Have um, you ever catered a party on a boat? I don't think I have. I've been to a party on a boat before. Mm. My brother mm-hmm. and sister, and my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law actually got married on a boat. Oh, which wow. Which is a fun fact. A lot of mm-hmm. people don't know that. <laughs> it was really cool. It was a very fun experience. Actually, we we went around Manhattan. Uh, uh-huh. so we went up the Hudson, we turned around, we went up the East river a little bit. So it was like a sunset cruise and they got married there and Josh married them. So that was kind oh, of a cool experience. That sounds lovely. But I, I don't think I paid too much attention to food service mm. while we were on there. We had a very good meal. I do recall that, but working on a boat, that's a different situation. Yeah. I know people who do, I, I am, I'm friends with a few chefs that actually do work on boats for clients. So you know, it's not the craziest thing we've ever no, heard of. No, no. And this one seems docked at the, at you know, the, uh, I can't even think of the word. What is the word for that? Yeah, at the dock, <laughs> at right? The dock, it's yeah, docked, it's, it's it's docked it stays docked, docked the, dock. the entire time. It's not like you have to get there at a certain point and then they take off and do a, a cruise. Or maybe they were planning on that, but because <laughs> no one showed up, it's yeah. not, not the case. I don't know. Yeah, so this is the uh, you know, film producer Leonard Stiltskin, who's played by the very, very funny J.K. Simmons here, is throwing his daughter Taylor a Sweet 16 birthday party. The theme is the club boat. Everything has to be perfect. The caterers are wearing these kind of clownishly large white blazers. That's the most true to life thing. It's like, (laughs) here's an outfit you're supposed to wear. We're providing it. And Mm -hmm. everyone looks terrible. Mm -hmm. Nothing is fitted or tailored correctly. And you just look a little silly. It's very silly. They have their sunglasses on. Um, there's, uh, you know, rappers who are played by Kevin Hart and um, Fatso Fasano who are scheduled to perform at the party. So um, this is the whole idea that it's supposed to be this glamorous club lifestyle party for Taylor. But unfortunately, Emily, none of the cool kids show up at this party. Right. And we find out through mostly Constance (laughs) prying Mm -hmm. uh, and talking to Taylor about what happened to discover that Taylor was has recently become popular (laughs) and has been hooking up with this guy who's really popular. And then some hijinks ensued and she got basically cast out of the group and everyone's banning going to this party. So only the uncool kids, the nerds have shown up to the party. So here's what happened. Yeah. Taylor is dating Chad, who is yes. like fifth on the class. Thank you for saying list. Chad. I knew it was his, like a name like that. I just couldn't remember. <laughs> He's fifth on the class hottie list, but he mm-hmm. was being a douchebag. So she made out with Tristan, probably the top guy at school. And now everybody's boycotting the party except for the losers. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Some real teenage drama. Did this ever happen to you, Dr. Amanda? Oh my goodness. Like that I was in the middle of some like teenage love triangle that like ruined a social event. Yeah. Well, I did almost shut down a school play because I 
got mono from one of the actors and then gave it to another actor. Oh my god! In the school play, and, and that's that was the kissing disease. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was a, that, that's my that's my biggest that's my biggest high school scandal probably. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Everyone has something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so the this is like so so basically this is Constance. You pointed out so we could start with her. She gets like because of this drama. Stiltskin, you know, he's he really does not have a, a great, a gentle touch with no. Taylor. I mean, he's sort of like the quintessential agent who's screaming at everybody on the phone every two seconds and you F know, bombs telling, here yeah. and there. Um, and and he's doing that to kids' parents now. He's like, I just rented this and like you you shove it up your ass and like this whole thing on the yeah. phone consistently, like your kid's not here and like you're dead to me. So he's really upset about all of this yeah yeah and so he he's he's not the best one to talk to to taylor his his wife is her stepmom not her mom and like doesn't want like she wouldn't you know and that and uh and that uh that that uh character is played by joey lauren adams who i don't know if, if you recognize her but um she i know very well from chasing amy yep. mm-hmm. one of the you know jay and silent bob one of the um kevin James Kevin Smith. It's Kevin Smith. Kevin yeah. Smith film. <laughs> not Kevin um, James. No, not Kevin James. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So um, so Constance ends up being the one who says, I got this. I know exactly what I'm doing. Because as we learn, Constance was medium popular in middle school. But by the time she got to be a junior, she was fully popular. <laughs> so she really understands how to navigate these uh, social politics of high school. Right. And then thankfully, Casey kind of swoops in and pulls Constance away a little bit mm-hmm. to be more realistic with Taylor and trying to calm her down and get her to come out and actually enjoy this party because Taylor's holed up in in this small bedroom below deck basically mm-hmm. and refusing to come out because she's so embarrassed she's so upset and Constance is upset with Casey for interfering with her heart to heart that she's having but Casey's like this is not real nothing you're saying yeah. is helping Constance. this is not helpful Constance <laughs> she's like I can relate to losers trying to hitch a ride on your popularity it used to happen to me all the time it's one of the drawbacks of being really really popular <laughs> Yeah, so this is one sort of overarching plot line that's happening mm-hmm. throughout this entire scenario. And we have Kevin Hart and his rapper assistant. Mm-hmm. Dro Grizzle yeah, is who is Dro who, Grizzle is who Kevin Hart is playing. And um he's like, you know, he they're waiting in the stateroom and it's like, why is it called the stateroom? Why isn't it just called a room on a boat? Um, because because it's a boat, everything has to have a funny name. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they're just kind of hanging out while all this drama is getting worked out. And um Grizzle wants to know when they're supposed to go on stage. Like Ron goes back there and the whole room is like hot boxed. It's like the the smoke <laughs> is dense in there. And Ron gets some sort of contact, contact high, high yeah. from being around. And um, you know, at first Ron is sort of like, oh, these like low live rappers being like very um discriminatory, but then he realizes that like Grizzle is like talking about you know, business dealings on the phone. He's talking about professionalism. And this is like when Ron just puffs up and he's like, oh, professional business. Like, <laughs> this is my end. Um, so Ron, of course, talks about his super crackers dreams. And um, 
And like throughout this, he's kind of the one who's supposed to be attending to them. Ron never remembers to bring them the food. He promises he never remembers to find out when they're supposed to go on stage. But he does end up kind of like getting high with them. I still think he's not smoking. He's just sort of absorbing the... Yeah, I was going to say, I think that this is the first time we see Ron under the influence, basically, Mm -hmm. on the show. Because as everyone can recall, he's totally straight edge otherwise. He quit smoking. He quit drinking. He's trying to, you know, get to the next level right. with super crackers and, mm-hmm. and be totally sober. And this is a moment where it's okay for him to get a little high. He's sort of relaxing in, in the smoke-filled room. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's contact high. I don't think he, they're passing he, a joint to him. He doesn't real like he's he doesn't seem to realize like what's going on <laughs> until it's too late. Like Henry's <laughs> sort of like, Ron, are you high? And he's um, but he, he pitches this idea of super crackers to Grizzle and his associate. And he's like, well, what about we open the super crackers in South Central? And Grizzle's like, I think I think you have the wrong demographic here. Yeah. When I think about soup, I think Reese Witherspoon <laughs> eating that shit. Or Matt Damon. And then he's like, what about them bitches from the hills? <laughs> Nancy Reagan such a throwback right (laughs) um it's so good but yeah there's like this real heart-to-heart moment of Kevin Hart kind of really truly giving him some advice here of like you know we're not the people you should be pitching super crackers to you should do some demographic research yeah but then it it sort of quickly devolves as a situation with Ron typically does where Mm -hmm. he says something offensive Mm -hmm. he says he says a racial slur to to uh kevin hart and his associates so it ends up being pretty awkward and that's kind of the gist of of that whole situation yeah Yeah, you have like them being friendly at the end so it feels like you know maybe it blew over a little bit but it's like not a great not a great look for ron he kind of gets overly familiar and uses a term he should never ever use correct um and i i think that this is the kind of thing that like does not make it into the show in 2023 correct absolutely um so that's ron's plot line there (laughs) um henry has some uh an interesting experience at the party because he runs into an old acting buddy of his um, who's a guest there because he is going to be starring in Leonard's new movie. Um, and this is Brecken Meyer. Yeah. Um, do you, do you road know trip fame of road trip frame? He's in clueless too. Yeah. That's he, true. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so he's definitely a familiar face and he is going to be a young Edgar Allan Poe uh, killing vampires based on a graphic novel. Is this a real novel? Well, here's the thing. We were laughing about this when Josh and I watched it because we were thinking about Abraham Lincoln Vampire Killer. Uh And I believe that that came out after this. Wow. So this almost felt like an inciting incident to that film being made. Or I don't know if they had some insider info, what the deal was, but we were laughing so hard about this because we were like, this actually did get made. It's like, I don't know it's, if Edgar Allan Poe was in it, but like, you know what I mean? It's no, just a it's, little too similar. It's honestly, it's like, it's one of those things that it feels like it was like a funny joke in the mm-hmm. world of 2009. And yeah. now this is a hundred percent like what every movie. Is. Well, like Twilight was like, hold my beer. Like yeah, at the same yeah. time. 
Yeah. So. I, I would totally believe that this is real. Like what? Like I'm looking this up. Are we going to be dummies? Like, is this a real thing? I don't know. A graphic novel adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's stories and poems. I don't see anything about vampires there. Um, well, in any event, in this graphic novel, apparently Edgar Allan Poe is the, like the lead vampire hunter. Naturally. Naturally. But of course, Emily, there's also a young Lincoln character <laughs> who helps him. And and um, Henry is perfect for this role. Um, and uh, this who what's his name? What's the, Michael is really keen to introduce Henry to Leonard. Um, and, you know, Henry at first is really like like kind of brushing this off. Like, no, 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 this isn't worth it. Well, he's like, like, I don't want to talk to the dad of the sweet 16 kid who's screaming at people on the phone. Like, is this appropriate for me to be doing? Given and it's the like, and it's like embarrassing to be like yeah. a wa- a cater waiter who's obviously not at the top of his acting game, mm-hmm. like begging somebody for a role, like right. which obviously, like which for, which most of these cater waiters and party dad have zero shame in doing. Exactly, they're absolutely <laughs> shameless in other scenes that we've seen, especially mm-hmm. in uh, the last few episodes of this season. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Henry's a little bit more observant and has a little more grace when it comes to something like this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Casey really eggs him on and talks him up and says, you know, this is fate. Like, you know, why would all of this happen at this party? Like, sometimes you do get the job. Like, go talk to him. And so Henry does eventually approach him. And um, it does seem like it does. Like, so, you know, for like, eventually Leonard recognizes him. He's like, oh, you're the beer commercial guy. Right. <laughs> This is going to be so funny. Come to my daughter's room and say the thing. <laughs> yeah. So-, so it seems to be going well, even if Henry has to sell his self, mm-hmm. sell his soul for a second mm-hmm. in order to get the the role or at least get uh, him to consider him for it. So he has to say, are we having fun yet now? Um, and God, it feels like it falls apart after that (laughs) yeah it falls apart really quickly because you know like not only is taylor not impressed with the are you having fun because she's 16 and her dad's bringing up a joke from when she was nine Uh so embarrassing um because also what's happening at the same time is kyle is coming out of one of the state rooms with leonard's wife because they were just attempting to hook up like so 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 Leonard's wife is like interested in Kyle um, and like, you know, she says they have an arrangement. She wants to take him to a room and she's like, you know, like I can help, you know, I can influence casting. You could be young Lincoln. So like all of a sudden we wonder, okay, is young Lincoln going to be pulled out from underneath Henry because of Kyle? But Kyle just got his teeth bleached, Emily. (laughs) Yes, and they're very sensitive. Very, He's having very trouble. Sensitive. Yeah, he earlier in the episode we watched Roman flick his tooth, and Kyle absolutely flip out about it. Mm-hmm. So it's not going well for him, and especially having any sort of contact with his mouth specifically is yeah. going to cause a lot of pain. So this means the hookup is not going to be very successful. It's not going well. Like Emily, don't you think there's a world where Kyle says like? hey, like, you're super hot. I just, like, got my teeth bleached and it really hurts. And, like, you know, can we just, like, not kiss? Like, I feel like there's – I feel like there's – 
like they could like I feel like she could be understand like maybe she didn't need I don't know I feel like there this could have been this could have gone of yeah. a bit of like she's interpreting it as like she's like I think he's gay or whatever <laughs> um but like I don't know it felt like this was one of those sitcom misunderstanding plots that like if you like said one sensible thing it would have been fine well it might have been the kind of thing where we just needed to fill a little time in the episode so that's <laughs> we needed to give this... kyle something to yeah do. we needed to give kyle something to do and it is a pretty realistic plot point for kyle to get stuck in a situation mm-hmm, like this i think mm-hmm. yes and yes. also to believe for a second that he could be cast as lincoln as a result <laughs> Like I don't think of Abraham Lincoln when I look at Kyle. No, and st- and even like Leonard, sort of like, oh, who do I have to give a role to now? Like yeah. my wife's always hooking up with these young guys. I have to put in movies. Um, so yeah, so so anyway, this this young Lincoln doesn't work out for anybody. It's not meant to be. Um, Roman is also very invested in this Edgar Allan Poe movie because you know he starts asking questions about the premise and when you're talking to Michael, the actor who's playing Poe, and finds out that it's going to depart from the comics in certain ways, which obviously Roman will not stand for. He's a purist at heart. He can't handle this. He's not an alcoholic and he's not (laughs) going to be like marrying his underage cousin. Like... (laughs) Natalie Portman is like Natalie 40. Portman's like 40. Yeah, I was so mad when he said that. Ridiculous. But you know what? He portrays this character so well. Martin Starr is just an an ace in the hole with this. So I love what he says like I wouldn't pay to see Edgar Allan Poe sober and letters just like nobody cares what you think. <laughs> it's so true. What a really? tragic, tragic uh, perspective, but very Roman, true. Roman says, people care what I think. I have a prestigious blog. <laughs> Which is also such a 2009 mm-hmm, thing to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Roman finds a kindred spirit with uh, one of the high school aged party. Of guests. course he does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because she's also read the graphic novel and, you know, believes that it should be portrayed faithfully. But then when Roman, like, starts to kind of hit on her and say, like, we should go see Dark Knight, she's just, like, clearly, clearly not interested. Nobody's interested, Roman. Yeah. Yet again, read the room. Perhaps we don't try to pick up (laughs) 16-year-olds. Um. So, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the episode um, in the credit scene, Henry and Casey are, you know, making out their relationship is sort of like heating up and becoming more of a thing at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, he asks if she's still going to like him, um, if she still likes him. And she's like, oh, well, I'd like you more if you were play- if helping Edgar Allan Poe fight vampires. <laughs> but it ends well. It ends, it, it, it ends, ends as well. well as it can. Yeah. I mean, so at the end, you know, Tristan, so um, Taylor does finally come out of the room and, you know, she seems to be like after Casey's pep talk, willing to embrace like partying with the losers. Like you can, hey, doesn't it seem like the losers are the ones that are having more fun? And she agrees and she kind of, you know, reconnects this bond with one of her friends from before she made the jump to being really popular. Um, and it's very, very sweet. But then the the cool kids show up and Tristan's like walks in is like, hey, babe. And like, they, and she's like, let's get out of here and runs away. And Constance is just like, it's like a fairy tale. 
<laughs> Even though it's such a dick move in real life. <laughs> such, it's such, it's like it has this like 80s movie. Yes. Almost ending where everybody's dancing and like the party down caterers are like, we're losers and we don't care. And yeah. like the kids are like, and we're losers and we don't care. And then yeah. it's like the cool kids come in. It's like, actually, we would much rather be cool. <laughs> And that's it. <laughs> and that's it. And that's it. Um, a few good quotes in this uh, episode. Um, I think uh, Ron describes the, the the club boat as the boat is a fairy tale fantasy land where every boy is a player and every girl is a bitch. <laughs> I think like one of the things I noticed about this before we move on, which I thought was so funny, is that the CD that Taylor plays is not hip hop at all. You know, it's like, it's sort of like emo rock yeah, that she puts yeah. on, but like the whole concept of the boat and of like, the, yeah, yeah, is supposed to be like in the club and it's sort of like this hip hop culture kind of vibe where everyone's wearing like sunglasses and, mm -hmm. and white blazers and yeah. like sort of, it reminds me of like Biggie and Puff Daddy's like videos, like music right. videos. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. like on a boat wearing all white, like you're, yeah. you're just like in a rap video. So it's very funny that like, it doesn't even end up being that way when the music starts playing. No, that's the vibe, but yeah. it's and being more of like a Reese Witherspoon, the Hills <laughs> type of party than I think, um, you know, maybe the overall vision was. And and uh, Drew Grizzle never does end up performing. Right. He leaves. He, leaves. He's, he has another, yeah. just another engagement. Yes. Um, I also liked, uh, you know, Roman asks, what did Stiltskin write on the comic card? Let me guess. He wrote, you fucking suck at catering, you fat fucking pieces of fucking shit, you fucking stupid fuckers, fuck you. And Rod says, okay, now you're freaking me out. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, there were a couple of things, Emily, that, you know, we got a few comments in the Discord from Ooh, yes. our listeners. And... Um, People wanted us to keep track of, like, who is the caterer of the episode? Like, who do we think gets, like, the best caterer of the episode award? And people also wanted to comment on whether Ron had an up episode or a down episode. <laughs> is this a Ron Donald do episode or a Ron Donald Ooh. don't episode? And that's sort of a black, like, that's a something that's coming in season two. Well, I feel like he's constantly on a seesaw in every episode. There's there's always an up and there's definitely always a down. There's always Ron. an up and there's definitely always a down. I would say overall, like, this party didn't go great, but I think that Ronald did, like, make a nice connection with Dro Grizzle and learn something that he can apply in his future. Yeah. Like is not it, saying racial slurs. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not his worst episode. No, unfortunately. <laughs> um, Emily, who's like, who's the caterer of the episode? Who do you think is the like MVP caterer of this episode? I would say as far as employees go, Constance kind of gave it her all. She gave really, it. she dug in deep. She wore the full garb, no questions mm -hmm. asked. She always, you know, she like always, everyone she took always their, gives in her all. Yeah, she. Everyone else took their sunglasses off pretty quickly. She kept them on. Mm -hmm. She danced harder than anybody else. Mm -hmm. She was there at the beginning with the Taylor crisis to try to talk her out of it, and you know, she slung some derves in between she, those moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good call i think i'm gonna give it to casey because mm -hmm. while constant sets it up casey knocks it down yeah, she I saved don't, it <laughs> i don't think that taylor's coming out 
of that state. Like who knows what Constance would have convinced Taylor to do if yeah. left to her own device. It's true. She probably would have been like, I jumped Com- off a boat once. You should try Let's it too. Let's commandeer the boat and yeah. take it. We'll go right to Tristan's house. Um, yeah. So I think I'm going to give it to Casey. Casey Fair doesn't enough. usually do a good job, but I think yeah. this time she did. All right. Should we go to episode seven? Yes. Um, episode seven is the Brandix Corporate Retreat. Um, this episode was directed by Fred Savage and written by John Enbaum and Dan Etheridge, airing on May 1st, 2009. Um, so, Emily, this is a corporate retreat for a company called Brandix, and they are an office management solution company. Yes. If you thought about my entire professional career, everything in this episode is what I've been through in real life. <laughs> oh my God. I want to know everything. I want to unpack every part of that. Oh, okay. Emily. So, and, and that's probably why it's my least favorite episode, but oh, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's nothing to do with party down as, you know, a writing team or anything. I just, it reminded me so much of my former career. So I used to work in a company that booked entertainment for corporate events. So we would be tasked with dealing with a production company of some sort. They would reach out and say, Hey, we need to book someone to do team building. We want to have someone create a custom song or a dance to promote our product or our, our office solution. Um, so this is reminiscent of basically all of the things at once for me. Wow. And it, it's so cringy because this was my everyday of, oh my of trying to talk to people about, I, I mean, I, I luckily wasn't the salesperson for a lot of this, but a lot of it was brainstorming of, okay, you're going to have 30 people who work for this company that, you know, makes, you know, we, we worked with a lot of pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. We worked with a lot of corporate companies like you know it it was very much like a dunder mifflin situation too Mm -hmm. of of like the office where you're just like having all these personalities together and now you have to do something that's sort of fun and safe and promoting whatever product or service that you provide but in a way that's it's sort of uplifting for everybody so that they don't get really pissed that they're all stuck in in this event Uh for like a day or two days whatever it ends up being and a lot of times we book speakers like rick fox is one that i was like i looked at josh immediately and i said oh yeah rick fox does corporate all the time this makes sense (laughs) that's hilarious yeah. so you have actually worked with rick's fox i haven't okay. worked with him specifically I say, but... emily did you go to rick no Fox's and i've never made room? out with rick fox <laughs> and also that would be kind of intense if it was like emily fox and rick fox but maybe <laughs> i don't know um but yeah that that's a real thing of finding celebrities who are going to come and give some sort of motivational speech and they have no idea it's like a mad lib speech that you give them of like hey i'm here to talk to you about x y and z yeah, yeah. and some people are better at it than others but it's a real source of revenue for a lot of people who are former athletes but are great speakers Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or actors or comedians if they're clean enough for it like they Mm -hmm. can't swear they have to create some sort of routine that's like completely safe and corporate friendly amazing man oh man i have stories (laughs) and it's and the team building exercise piece of it like these companies that come in and like do the pass the ball around and the trust falls and Mm -hmm. all of that Mm -hmm. 
That's just the tip of the iceberg. It gets a lot more creative and weird as you go. It really, really does. Um, So in addition to Rick Fox in this episode, we also have Gary, who's played by Rob Corddry. Um, Yes. And and Rob, funny, funny story. I, my company used to represent Rob Corddry Corddry for corporate event uh, comedian stuff, like for for comedy events. Yeah. Yeah. For a short period of time. It was like right when I came on that he kind of made it big and, and stopped doing corporate. But yeah, bizarre. So right, right in his wheelhouse here, Rob Corddry and um, Rob Corddry and Ken Marino have also worked together on Children's Hospital. If folks have seen that very, very funny series that's uh, directed by David Wayne. Um, but um, yeah, so this is one of these corporate events with the team building games and the motivational speaker. Um, and Ron is frustrated with the team's lack of work ethic, basically. Um so he's very interested in the team building exercises that are happening at the event. And he finds out that like, he's like, you know, he talks to the guy who's leading it. He's like, we could really benefit from you. And he's like, okay, like it starts at $2,000, which is like obviously out of party downs right. uh, league here. Um, so Ron decides to basically take all the materials and like secretly do his own team building <laughs> exercises during the party um when the um when the rest attendees, of the party yeah. guests when the attendees are off like doing a scavenger hunt or something <laughs> um and um you know typical party down he like calls this team meeting and like nobody shows up um <laughs> Uh, first it's it's only Henry and Constance um who are kind of like probably I guess the most reliable members of party dad like Constance is very incompetent but she's always there yeah yeah (laughs) she she gives it her her, like we said she tries her hardest she comes in 100% Mm -hmm. with with being there and and on but like She's totally all over the place otherwise. Her uh, 100% isn't worth very much, I think. (laughs) Um, And, um, but, you know, Kyle eventually comes in late, but Roman is off looking for Casey because Casey has struck up a rapport with the motivational guest speaker, Rick Fox, um, who is like, you know, very kind of controversial among the party dad staff. Like Constance is very impressed. She of course doesn't know that he has an NBA career. She's like, you yeah. mean Rick Fox, the actor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Roman is like, you know, really upset that people are swooning over him. He's like, the dude plays basketball. It's a game for children. <laughs> Which is the classic Roman response. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but what she sort of like Casey and, and he strike up this um rapport because she sort of rescues him from this annoying guest who's just kind of like reciting his basketball stats at him without like asking any questions. Yeah, which is also a thing that happens at corporate events. Totally. You're interacting sure. with normal people, and there are a lot of people that are like, hey. So I saw you in this and this and this and this and this and this. And what about this? And you're like, that wasn't a question. What are you talking? Oh, you're just reciting all of this information to me. Great. 
that's one of the funnier things about a lot of these things mm -hmm. is people, people just get starstruck and excited and, you know, have access to somebody that they wouldn't normally meet before. So yeah. this is all very within the realm of a corporate event for sure. Yeah. People don't know how to behave. And I will include myself in that. Like, I feel like if Ooh. I met a lot, of, no, if I met, like, I, I, I'm very nervous about like, if I've like, there's a few times where I've met people that I really look up to and I've just been like, what do I say? Like, do I just say I like this thing? It's hard. It's difficult. It is. It is. I've been a handler on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. And it's like the stuff that you have to usher them away from where people are like, hey, hi, hi. And you're like, oh, God, OK, all right. Get your get say your piece and move on because I got to get this person to hair and makeup. I got to get like, them ready. Like you're like the pot stickers you asked for are here. Um <laughs> So as like Casey and Rick Fox are talking, like he notices that she's funny and says like, well, I really need help coming up with jokes for this event because I don't know what office management solutions is. <laughs> and who does? <laughs> I Yeah, I have no idea. Um, she starts coming up with some jokes for him and like they're pretty bad. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah they're not great. <laughs> they're not great. I just sat in office management and now I need an office management solution. Um, but he's impressed with her anyway, probably because she's because attractive. She's yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so they start flirting and go back to his room to work on his routine, um, which gets Roman's attention. And then once Roman is on to it, then Henry gets um, jealous as well. So they both go off to look for uh, for Casey. Um, and <laughs> when Henry finally finds Roman, he is lurking outside of somebody's hotel room, but it is not it's not Rick Fox's room. No, no. He catches some other patron of the hotel mm -hmm. watching very intense porn. So yeah. luckily, we're not catching Casey in a, in too much of a compromised situation. Mm hmm. And it's sort of unclear where she is, although Henry basically decides that he's going to confront Rick Fox and knocks on his door mm -hmm. and or he catches Rick leaving, I guess. Yeah. And Rick is like, oh, you know what? Hold on a second. And he hands him his empty room service tray of mm -hmm. what, you know, what they he had ordered earlier or whatever. It's clearly um, for two. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's, it's, we can all assume as viewers that Casey hung out for a while as she has been missing for a moment. And she left her phone. And she left her phone in Rick's room. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all, all roads lead to us believing that, you know, maybe something did happen here. Maybe, We're they, just not maybe sure. they hooked up. Um, yeah. And we know how important Casey's phone is to Casey. Yes, we do. <laughs> she never leaves it anywhere. It's always on her. So that's interesting uh, information. Yeah. So eventually everybody makes it back to this team meeting with Ron where they're working on their team building um like there's this funny part where kyle is like blindfolded and walking around these <laughs> obstacles and constance is supposed to be like talking him through this it's like a survivor challenge um, yeah. obvious like unsurprising uh constance is not good at this <laughs> 
<laughs> giving him bad information. <laughs> Kyle just sort of continuously walks into things over and over again. Um, they have this really like they do the funniest. I think this stuff is so funny. And like, thankfully, I don't have like a deep personal well of experiences with it. Yeah, I mean, I can laugh about it. Maybe not on, uh, you know, on a podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they make life trees. Um, and the, oh, the life trees is so funny, Emily. I have some notes about the life tree. Yeah. Um, Kyle says, so for this route, I did Lethal Weapon, which was a huge influence on me. How <laughs> Mel Gibson showed how you could be both an action star and also show deep emotions because the way his wife died and made him super <laughs> reckless. And then Constance says, I sat next to Mel Gibson once and that's this route. <laughs> It's just absurd. Those two are such kindred spirits. I know. Um, I love them together. Yeah, They're so yeah. great. And at one point, Kyle's like, this is not a belief, but I think Bono is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and Ron is just like, oh, my God, you guys. No, like, come yeah. on. Um I mean, they are. I think that they're contributing. Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're going through the exercises. Um, so when Henry shows up and, and um, Casey is back um they they do one of the classic exercises where you're in a circle and you have like the speaking ball right and if you've watched severance you've seen adam scott do this with a very different in the very different character persona of mark um so that was kind of fun to see this scene which is very similar to that severance scene but they have to toss the ball back and forth and um Make a suggestion for how they can improve the team. Constance thinks that they should each adopt a homeless person and care for them. And Ron's like, not going to happen. Nope. <laughs> like, what? Bless her heart. Um, Roman's suggestion is that Casey should be more discreet about sleeping around. Um to which, which is wildly inappropriate um, mm-hmm. for Roman to say that. But Casey assumes that he's referring to her relationship with Henry. So right, which is, is not out in the open to everybody no. else. So this is how everybody becomes aware that Henry and Casey are an item. And then Henry gets the ball. And his suggestion is that Casey shouldn't leave phones in Rick Fox's room. (laughs) So we're just blowing up Casey's spot left and right here. Um, And it really does unearth all of the the misgivings and the anger Mm -hmm. of Roman feeling like he has totally missed the mark and not been able to hook up with Casey because she owes that to him before Mm -hmm. hooking up with Henry. Like, it's like a whole thing that's going to transpire in the next few episodes of just deep masculine (laughs) energy that is extraordinarily toxic. Um. As always, as always. Um, So Casey, uh, this culminates in Casey pelting a ball at Roman's head, which is very well deserved. Yeah, the correct response, I Mm -hmm. would say. Um, And, you know, Ron, I think when Ron makes a suggestion, um, oh, he's like, I have the ball, and my suggestion is that you people realize that I'm making a genuine effort here. And it's like, (laughs) it's so it's so sweet and earnest i love these rod moments it's like yeah yeah and he does say like you know nobody on this team should be sleeping with anybody else in this team, yeah. which is fair that's mm-hmm. a fair point mm-hmm. um 
So um, that's kind of the main plot of the episode. Um, you know, Henry and Casey are going to fight about this jealousy because, um, you know, she's like, they 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 end up having a fight about this and in response to all of this henry is kind of like especially down on his job and this new relationship so when rob cordry's character says like you know recognizes him as being from the beer commercials and makes a fuss about his acting says like you should really consider applying for a job henry's like okay like this is yeah maybe it's best for me to get out of this dead-end job and get away from somebody who's hooking up with rick fox (laughs) you know (laughs) who's like a handsome giraffe as kyle says (laughs) (laughs) he's not wrong (laughs) um let's see what's going on uh, elsewhere in this plot line is um you know Kyle and Roman are sort of pranking each other um, as one does they always do um and um he's like you know sort of throwing fuel on this fire that about Roman's um jealousy about Rick Fox um and um and the ending of this um happens when ron gets busted for using all of this equipment um that you know that was the team building and uh exercise and is and he's um going to get a bill from the team building person um and ron says okay well my name is actually mark or i'm not sorry not mark henry i i I got uh adam scott's other character on the brain um (laughs) Uh, and in the credit scene, we see that um, Henry is going to Brandex to follow up on this potential exciting job offer. And we learn that this is actually a $10 an hour job as a telemarketer. Um, and the interview ends when Steve, the interviewer, recognizes that he's from the uh, beer commercial and says, are we having fun yet? Yeah. So uh, just another disappointment for Henry, I guess we could say. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, I mean, Henry is sort of like always, he's a little bit of this like tragic figure who's trying to put together his life after having this major setback and what he wanted to be an acting career. And we see him sort of have these like ebbs and flows like basically mostly revolving around how well his relationship with Casey is going but you know at the end of this episode um it's like everybody knows and you know she's sort of um you know this is like this Rick Fox thing has really gotten under his skin um there's a couple of uh funny quotes from this episode that I wanted to call out. Ron uh, overlooks overseas that Constance is showing her headshots and says like, why do you have a picture of Joan Rivers? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love that. Yeah. Ron is trying to be inspirational. What is the first word in team meeting? (laughs) Yeah. And there's like absolute crickets. Everyone's like, what? Team. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, Robin's general distaste towards Rick Fox. A winner is someone like Arthur C. Clarke or Stephen Hawking or Kafka. He's just an eight-foot-tall freak. (laughs) So, Emily, do we have – let's start with Ron. Is this a Ron Donald do episode or a Ron Donald don't episode? I think it's a do because he put Mm. in some solid effort to Mm -hmm. try to build up the team. 
That's great. Even I though he stole Perron. potentially proprietary information mm-hmm. from the team builder himself. He's going to get a bill. Like, I feel like maybe this, maybe this party was a wash in terms yes. of like profit. Um, yeah. But, you know, but maybe the team, like, I do think that the life trees, I think we got something out of that. There was the communication circle got some information out there. Communication happened. Um, so I do think that maybe there's some 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 strength in the team now that yeah. will uh, bear dividends in the in the coming in the coming episodes. Um, well, that's great. And do we have a caterer of the week? That's a good question. Uh-huh. I would say for me, it might be Ron. Ooh, I might give it to Ron because he kept it pretty cool. Otherwise, he wasn't really screwing things up the way uh-huh. that he normally does. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah, I mean, Ky- I think that Kyle, like, is sort of he. he I, I, I have to say, like, there's no, there's no, uh, un, uh, like, he has no errors here. Like, maybe he doesn't get on base, <laughs> but like, there's, I think that this is like pretty neutral yeah. episode for Kyle, and maybe Constance too. Another yeah. good, good episode for Constance. I think that they both really got something out of the team building exercise. Sure so did. That's, so that's great. What could you have said to help Kyle guide his way through this better? <laughs> right (laughs) (laughs) knowing you're right from your left really goes a long way along way with that um great so that brings us emily to episode eight yes celebrate ricky sargulish yes this episode was directed by brian gordon and written by john and bomb it aired on may 8 2009 and let's describe this party emily how would you describe this event it's basically organized crime um, that is celebrating the fact that Ricky was acquitted of potential or, or of murder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so everyone's getting together. They're drinking really heavily. They're, they're throwing brandy back like it's mm-hmm. no one's business. And it's just a huge get-together and celebration. And it's a bunch of gangsters, and they're <laughs> really intense. And mm-hmm. they they know all of the obscure things that everyone who's a Party Down employee has done acting-wise. So they keep recognizing different employees and being like, wait yeah. a second, you were in this thing. And they're like, no one's seen that. What do this, you mean? <laughs> this is, so this is amazing. So yes. as yeah, Emily, as you said, this, like this organized crime ring, um, like, I don't know if they just watch like every television and movie show. Yeah. Like, I don't know like what, or if they have this very selective taste that hues <laughs> towards the projects of the party down catering team, but for whatever reason, they, sort of one by one recognize the caterers and are completely enamored and starstruck and yes. just want to party with everybody because they're like, wow, like, look at us. We're at this party with celebrities. And it's like, it's actually quite funny and charming. But what this does is it sort of leaves Ron in the lurch as like the only person who isn't like recognized as yeah. a celebrity and who, Roman too basically well Roman, although Roman does get a job Roman does get ta- yeah. yeah Roman does get tasked with something because he is a writer yeah um and so like by the end of the event it's like Ron is bussing everything and serving and like he's tending bar and doing everything and becoming increasingly overwhelmed because 
the rest of the team is just kind of wrapped up in in the party, um, which is which is great. And I so love it. I think it's, it's one of the best episodes. This is one of the funniest. This is yeah. one of my favorite episodes of season one. Um, yes, it starts with Constance. Um, who? <laughs> Boy, does it ever? <laughs> oh, somebody notices. So so Constance notices that one of the guests has been staring at her, and he ends up following her back into the kitchen and asks if she's the actress Constance Carmel. Um, and he starts describing a nude scene for one of her films. And and Constance replies, you saw dingleberries? <laughs> and the way that he's describing it, too, it's, it's very sensual. He's like, you emerge from the water and all this <laughs> stuff. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, what is this from? It sounds very racy. It's and then she dingleberry. says dingleberries. <laughs> and it just destroys. I've seen this episode maybe four times oh, now. Yes. And it, I just absolutely lose myself every time. It's so funny. And he's seen it a hundred times. Emily, yes. A hundred yes. times. Such it's such reverence for this special film. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, so she, you know, so he and like th they've seen all of her films, other guests, like everybody gets brought into it. Um then like a and we haven't mentioned the guest of honor, Ricky Sargulesh, who um has been acquitted for murder, is played by Steve Weber. Yes. Very, very funny performance by Steven Weber, who I know originally from wings but mm -hmm. who has also you know have many other credits and has like a bunch of uh kind of memorable guest performances and other shows um but um he is uh so 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 that so Constance gets recognized and and then Henry sort of gets like a little bit wrapped up in in a mess of things <laughs> because um you know things are awkward with with between him and Casey so um and he Roman's starts... really upset with him too mm -hmm. yeah because he cut in line and um you know there there was a line yeah uh, <laughs> so Henry ends up flirting with one of these attractive party guests and she invites him out for a cigarette they kiss um one of the kids from the party sees him and like ends up telling Ricky about it so Ricky confronts Henry because it turns out that this woman of course was his girlfriend so Henry in trying to cover for all of this grabs Casey and says like no this is my fiance here <laughs> um and like amidst this whole confrontation Henry gets recognized as the are we having fun yet guy and like you know and then everybody wants to see the beer ad shtick he does that and then eventually Casey gets recognized from her stand-up showdown, which is like nobody saw. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, wait a second, what? And they're like, you're so funny. You're like a celebrity couple. Celebrity couple. It's like Brad and Angelina. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then they get roped in and mm -hmm. it's just, you know, a, a series of very comical yeah. moments. And then Kyle gets recognized too. From being... Id Idol Academy. Idol Academy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny too, because the way that everyone interacts with everyone else, everyone's kind of afraid of these guys. Mm -hmm. They're really intense. They get up very close. They have very serious uh, demeanors mm -hmm. and they're saying to them, 
don't I know you from somewhere? Mm -hmm. oh, weren't you the guy that did this? And they're talking about their characters and the shows that they've been in that they yeah. recognize them from. So it's very funny how this unfolds. And meanwhile, Roman's going, oh, they're such assholes. And, yeah. and Ron's going, oh, they're such assholes. And everyone else is going, they're, <laughs> they're actually great. pretty they're great. Good. I'm having a good time. And it's like, yeah, because you've had like six bottles of brandy at this mm -hmm. point. And it like totally like speaks to this kind of like narcissism of like the Hollywood yes. world where it's just like, oh, my favorite topic of conversation is me. Yeah. And so like as long as people are, you know, talking about their projects and, and it's like that fame that they sort of um, – that they that they yearn for so yeah. much and they're like having this kind of intense experience of it um so roman get does eventually get pulled into this at first somebody says is that napoleon dynamite <laughs> <laughs> and he's like no <laughs> uh, um but uh you know, uh, the get so Ricky asked Roman to read his script once, like, he's like, No, I'm not an actor, I'm a writer. And he's like, Oh, you're a writer, I have this screenplay. So, Roman, like, first of all, he's the one who like Googles this person and finds out, like, Oh, okay, this person was just acquitted of murder. Yeah, because all we know from, from the get go is that it says, Congratulations, Ricky. Mm -hmm. We have no concept of what he's being congratulated for, but Roman yeah. does a little more deep digging and finds out that it's Ricky being acquitted for yeah. murder. They don't typically put that on the banner, like the whole thing, like, Congratulations for your acquittal. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's I mean, I haven't been to one of those parties either I might be wrong <laughs> who knows <laughs> um so as Roman is reading the script he discovers that like or he is he assumes that this is actually like a confession about the murder that like the details of the script are actually what happened um and you know so Roman like shares this with everybody like these are bad guys like this is a murder acquittal like this is what happens in the script. Um, but at the same time, like everybody's becoming like very, very afraid of them. And, uh, and, and, you know, and we also know that Henry has kind of angered him by flirting with his girlfriend. Um, so in a moment where, you know, Henry is caught kind of like making eye contact with Ula um, during this, uh, during the revelry, uh, Ricky gets up and decides that he's going to propose to Ula. And she's naturally. Okay. So, okay. So they're engaged. Um, and uh, he's inspired by um, Henry and Casey's love. Um, and then, um, you know, he eventually goes up to Roman and asks him, like, what do you think of the script? What was your favorite part? And Roman's like, when Mulnick makes his mother pick up the food he threw on the floor, <laughs> like just trying to come up with anything. He's like, yeah. I like the part when uh, you, I mean, the character cuts off <laughs> Gubby's balls and feeds them to him and says, you nuts. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of that mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know i think the thing that that's really funny about this is roman as he's realizing that the script it might be true to life he pulls ron in and even though ron's been bussing all of these tables he's like ron this is what really happened and we've got to warn this mm -hmm. one person who's yeah. implicated in here because there's somebody who's about to be killed who's wearing who's a fat man with feminine looking glasses Mm -hmm. and they fat, yes fat man with womanish glasses yeah yeah is, yeah so it's um 
that this is gonna the the revenge plot in the script of fat man with womanish glasses, um, and that like they assume that this is the one, and I guess his name is Zoltan, who yeah. has been doting on Constance all night. This yes. is the number one fan of Dingleberry, <laughs> and so they bring him back and yeah. they they entice him by saying, you know, Constance has something to show you in the kitchen, and he's like, is it underwear? <laughs> like oh god rod's like yes that's yes please come back with us and then he shows up and he's like where's the underwear and they're like listen we gotta warn you we've been reading this script that ricky wrote and it says that there's a man with womanish glass like a fat man with womanish glasses who is going who's the snitch who got ricky in trouble and they have to kill him and he goes Huh? And he goes, well, I don't think you have womanish glasses. I mean, <laughs> your glasses look great. I mean, it's like not my okay. words. It's Ricky's. Yeah. So yeah, so Zoltan sort of like goofs them by like running out to the party and like like you know being like, I kill you, I kill you, <laughs> like. So he and Ricky have a big laugh about this. Like they like they would never yeah, hurt he's each like, other. That's They're, not me. Come that's on. my. This is my oldest friend. Um, you know, okay, well, everybody's happy. Um, the script is a great success. Um, I love, I love what, uh, Ricky asked Roman. And what did you think of the syntax? <laughs> yeah. That's like the last line of the show. Oh, I feel like I thought, what yeah. about the syntax. Um, so they all get in the car and as they're getting in the car, notice that it's actually, um, there's another, like another fat man puts on women's glasses. <laughs> Yeah, one of the other, like, sort of sub-characters that mm -hmm. we've, like, seen throughout the entire episode, he puts on his glasses to drive, and they go, oh, no, I got the wrong guy. <laughs> so. Um, so they pull away. Um, the credit scene is, um, you know, Henry wants to call it even between him and Casey because he was flirting with somebody, and she was flirting with Rick Fox, so it's sort of even. Um but, you know, Casey's not buying it because, um, you know, he made out with Ula and she admits to actually making out with Rick Fox. Um, and then we realize as, uh, you know, we, we see the scene where the mobsters are getting into the car um, and Roman is alarmed that this guy is going to die. This we never really wrap up this plot thread, though. We yeah. don't know what we don't know what happens. I wouldn't Zoltan. be surprised if it randomly came up in season three. Ooh, that would be fun. You know, that would be like, really fun. Where they're just like doing a remember when and then something mm -hmm. small, like a little Easter mm. egg like that comes up. Something to watch out for as we keep recapping. Yeah. Yes, yes. What? We actually do hear about Zoltan, though. Yeah. Actually, we do hear about Zoltan in the coming episodes. Oh. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Oh, real. So, uh, some funny quotes from this episode. Um, Henry and Roman are having a really offensive conversation about like Casey in the beginning of during setup, where Henry's like, "You're just upset because I shat where you eat, and now you want to shit at that same restaurant." <laughs> Disgusting. In case he comes in, answer, it's like, yeah. if, if you're talking about me, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> um, oh, let's see. This is another great Roman rant where they're talking about, he's talking about close encounters and aliens. When they do arrive on Earth, they're not going to be all cute and snuggly. They're going to be a super advanced society and we're going to be like ants to them. They're not going to sing and wave as Fuchsia's Truffaut. It's not going to be like a fucking musical. They're going to take him and everyone else and feed us to giant processors and strain us for our chemicals. Disgusting. 
<laughs> oh, Roman. Uh, um, oh, I, t- I wrote down Constance's different film credits. In addition to Dingleberries, they also talk about Wild Nuts and Screamweaver. Screamweaver is a great one. I love that. I really do. Uh, um, more of uh, Ricky's script. Uh, Gubby cries and Crojar takes knife and first cuts off heads and then all parts and puts them in a bag and puts them in the sea. A classic mobster move. <laughs> Maybe it- could have been written a little more eloquently, but hey, we got the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Um, a plus syntax, by yeah. the way, Outst- yeah. outstanding syntax there. And a, a great Kyle quote, acting is like crime, but instead of using guns or clubs, I assault you with emotions. Ridiculous. Such a ridiculous character. Um, do we have a, a, who's the caterer who wins this episode, Emily? Um, I would say... I want to say Constance wins mm-hmm. this one for me because she's just absolutely caught off guard, but then handles it very well mm-hmm. and like leans into it in a way that we're about to find out, you know, what the next moves are yes. for her. But I, I really enjoy this episode with her specifically because she just leaves out these little charms where you're like, wait a second, what? <laughs> she it, She's in her element here she is the star that she was always meant to be finally being appreciated for her tremendous talents and um i love that for her this is like a great constance episode and is this a ron donald do episode or a ron donald don't episode i mean he does pretty well Mm -hmm. but he's overwhelmed like he's got a lot going on um i think i think that this is maybe one of the most successful party down events though, Emily, if you think about it, it's like nothing terrible happened. The guests were happy. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. the, the food got served. Like, I feel like most of the part, like a lot of the parties we leave and we're like, Ooh, I don't even know if they were going to recoup. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to get them a bad comment card kind of situation. I think that this, I think that this was a success. Like I feel like Ron, kept it afloat like maybe yeah. he had to hustle a little more than he wanted to but i think this was this was a great episode yeah. for yeah. him maybe like maybe he should go solo on all of his endeavors i think everyone else is kind of dead weight here it's true <laughs> it's very true got to cut that dead weight mm-hmm. um let's move on to episode 9 <sighs> let's james- talk about ron let's talk- in let's episode talk about 9 ron. the oh. james rolf high school 20th Reunion, directed by Fred Savage, written by John Enbaum and Dan Etheridge, aired May 15th, 2009. This is the party wherein Ron decides to cater his own 20th high school reunion in order to impress his high school classmates about how successful he's become. It's not going to go well for him. <laughs> I mean, have, have, you, it have, you, have you been to a high school reunion? I have not. Yours, Emily? And, and I was doing the math, actually, as I watched this. And I was like, oh, my 20th reunion is this year. Ooh! oh, my goodness. Emily, yeah. you should cater it. <laughs> you should cater your you reunion. You hear that, Westford Academy? Hire me to cater it. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know if that's the right move for me. I haven't been to another reunion, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. I think 
it's really interesting given the general age group of all of us who are kind of mm-hmm. reaching this time frame mm-hmm. too. We have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have mm-hmm. all of these tools to kind of keep track of each other in a way mm-hmm. that weren't available to younger ge- or to older generations. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of feel like the mystique of a reunion isn't so much the case totally yeah you know you know who's married you know who got fat like you know like all of the stuff that people like wanted to go like people can keep tabs on each other it's like much easier to find people who were not in your immediate social circles if you had people that you're in touch with like so I do think that there's less of a function of these reunions my 20th high school reunion would have what was in um 2019 and I did not and I did not attend that I haven't been to any high school reunions but I did go like there was like a high school memorial like a memorial for one of our teachers that I did go back for and saw people and it like and it is it was kind of nice it was kind of nice but I think that this like party in a gym with decorations and like you know like this sort of like prom adjacent type of high school reunion is probably something that exists more in television shows than it does in real life. Yeah, I think it's going to become less of a thing mm-hmm. if that's super I, sad to say. I, I don't think know that, that's I think sad. that's okay. I'm okay yeah. with it. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting uh, to kind of consider the fact that things have changed that drastically, mm-hmm. but it is true, and and I am curious now. I'm wondering what's going to happen for for my high school reunion. Yeah. Like, what what will transpire? You have to cater it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, Emily. I'll show up in a pink bow tie to back. Okay, you up. perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> you are my number one hire. Um, and you could like boss me around. You could be like. Amanda, like go and do. She's in a good. She's in a splash of Chardonnay. Splash. My, my former class president looks at me and is like, "I just want to let you know that the name tags are only for other people who were from the class." And it's uh-huh. like, but that's me. That's the saddest part. I mean, that is sort of that that colors the entire rest of the episode, right? Like the fact that Ron is catering his own high school reunion. He's super psyched about it. He's excited to see everyone mm-hmm. and no one remembers him or yeah. gives much of a shit about and him. And and the thing that they do remember about him is like a very unflattering deeply, deeply, yeah. yeah. Unflattering shameful. shameful. Yeah. Yes. It's it's <laughs> it's really it's really it's really sad. Like I mean, I I I was thinking about like Ken Marino as Ron, like where he fits in the pantheon of like kind of like hapless doofus bosses. Yeah. Like, you know, putting him up against like a Michael Scott right, or right. um, I mean, I like I, you know, like the, there's Superstore. There's mm-hmm. also, you know, Parks and Rec had a little bit of this, but it's like where where is Ron? and I feel like Ron is kind of a little bit like more relatable and human and yes. sad in a way like that. I really like, I, I have to give props to this performance because he's like very much a doofus and it's, he's very, very funny, but at the yeah. same time, like I do feel like he brings this humanity to the character where you really feel for the, for that. Yeah. And you want him to have a good time, but you know, it's not going to go well. It's you can tell within seconds from the start. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the way that he's talking to everyone and he's so genuinely interested and very 
thrilled to mm-hmm. say hi to people and you see him kind of like glad handing people here and mm-hmm. you know like, hey what's going on how you doing and everyone's just kind of like who the hell is this guy yeah and then the fact that he finds out at the end of the episode that everyone's been laughing at him mm-hmm. everyone's just been making fun of him the whole time like what kind of loser caters his own high school reunion and it's just absolutely gut-wrenching because yeah. you don't want him to go through that like as no. much of a doofus as he is you just protect like, ron at all well. costs yeah like <laughs> can't, we- <laughs> can't we just have him have mm-hmm. one good night i know and this I is know. what really kicks off a downward spiral for yes. him this is a ron donald downward spiral yeah um, yeah i think we can say that confidently at the mm-hmm. beginning of this episode yes. that it's, yeah. it's, it's a downer for him here this yeah. is a ron donald downer yeah. um so um He's he's really so he's really nervous. He wants everything to be perfect here. So he tells everybody to act like he's a good boss and respect him. And like he makes a show of like being bossy and like, you know, kind of chastising people and whipping them into shape. He's very interested in impressing the event organizer, Melinda, uh, who's played by Molly Parker, who is like very recognizable to me um i was like just somebody who i've seen and other things oh do you know what i remember her from what so molly parker was in house of cards house of cards yes um she i think plays like uh somebody who is challenging frank underwood at some point so Got that's it. what i know her the best from so she's here playing uh belinda i'm sorry melinda um, I think I interchanged those in my notes, but that's fine. <laughs> um, who's organizing the event. And um, and he commiserates with her about like, you know, she sort of has this successful corporate career and he she's and he's like, oh, you know, I you know with 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 uh with deliverables and milestones, I'm able to crack this team into shape. Um and uh you know, like you said, we like see him, um, you know, sort of schmooze and like walk around the party and everybody's like very confused because of course you don't expect the caterer to be wearing a name tag and like reminiscing with you about high school. It's also just like not a great look. Like when you're no. in, ca- when you're catering, when you are physically catering an event, you are sweaty, you're running around, y- you might have not the best outfit on so it's a real vibe you're putting out into the universe when you're working one of these things especially for some you know for a company like party down with a a bright pink bow tie Mm -hmm. it's it's a total look and it's not jiving with the rest of the 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 people that are there yeah so everyone's very confused by it and understandably so i think (laughs) um let's talk about the team emily because we do have a substitution here to our yes. usual main cast. Uh, yes. Constance, we learn, has run away with Zoltan. Yes. Is going to make her like a film star in like some um, Eastern European country. So in her stead, we have a new character, Bobby St. Brown, played <laughs> by Jennifer Coolidge. Yes. Um it's such like she is such a joy like every moment that she is on the screen every line of dialogue that she comes comes out of her mouth is precious and 
we are lucky to have it and I cherish it so I mean she Jennifer Coolidge's her way through this role Mm -hmm. and that's all I can ever ask of her ever (laughs) for anything is to just be you Uh um but Bobby St. Brown is a name. I couldn't have thought of a better name for this character. Bobby so St. Brown. Love Bobby it. Just Saint rolls Brown. off the tongue. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, she's, she's Constance's roommate, apparently. And like the fact that that spinoff show where Jane Lynch and Jennifer Coolidge are roommates, yeah. like auditioning in Hollywood together, like the fact that that doesn't exist <laughs> is like the greatest injustice I've experienced in my entire life. It's too much. I feel like it would be really overwhelming to watch them together, just bantering back and forth. Mm, in the best way. I think yes. I'm up for it. I'm yeah. up for it. Yeah. Um, and uh, Bobby has heard all about Henry from Constance, and they have a bet that she, that she can um, – Bobby put $10 on the fact that she's going to inspire Henry to get back into acting. Yes. Um, she has a lot of uh, tips for Henry. She tells him – your face is kind of pinched and forward like a sphincter, but we can fix that. <laughs> you have to smile 50 times a day. And Kyle's like, I thought it was 90. She's like, no, 90 would make you go insane. <laughs> yeah, there are all of these really weird techniques that she's applying mm-hmm. to trying to change Henry's mind. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a new agey, weird, yes. spacey attempt. And she herself is just a total oddball but you can hear like in her voice that she means well she really mm-hmm. does want to see him succeed but is she going to be very helpful when it comes to party downs bottom mm-hmm. line is she mm-hmm. going to be able to you know dole out sling derbs yeah. yeah like i wonder yeah is she better or worse than constance i think she's actually worse than constance <laughs> she is she's worse than constance because she can't keep it together the no, way constance really- can like at least constance can kind of pretend that she knows what she's doing yeah yeah even if she says the weirdest stuff you know bobby mm-hmm. st brown is just way out there did you know that dolphins can change a baby's diaper underwater? She's like, I don't believe that that's true. She <laughs> tells Henry he has to come to the back because she has a mug of a stallion that says, follow your dreams to the max. Amen. Like, it's just too much. Oh. and But it's it's also perfect for her. I just love it so much. If, if there was one person that I wanted to replace jane lynch in this because i believe jane lynch was picked up for glee at this, this is point. yeah at this point yeah. she has her role on glee so right right so they really did need someone to replace her uh i couldn't have thought of a better person. knocked it out of the park yeah. 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. no notes nope. um we get the backstory a little bit of constance and bobby um she tells henry like that he has to grab destiny by the balls and when she was up for cannonball run too you know what i did to the girl i was up against i hit her with my car it just felt right and henry's like wait wasn't that constance she's like what she's like yeah but it was a small car yeah so like they kind of have this weird contentious relationship because they were up for all the same parts together i guess so mm-hmm. it's just oh it's very silly. and then like we have life imitating art where jennifer coolidge comes in to replace Jane Lynch. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Chef's kiss. Um, yeah. So, you know, elsewhere in the party, we also get introduced to Ron's high school best friend, who's played by Joe Latrullio, um, who is his, you know, former state uh, cast member and who they've done so many projects together. Joe Latrullio is probably best 
known uh, for Brooklyn Nine Nine, mm-hmm. I would guess. Um, but he's here, um, you know, kind of playing like a bum who you can sort of see, like, and who's who's perfectly named Donnie. So Ronnie and Donnie, best high school buds. And um, when you combine their names together, what do you get? You get drawn. Wait, drawn. <laughs> Um, yeah, really, really perfect name. I mean, I thought, I I thought Bobby St. Brown was good. Drawn might be better. Um, yeah, Donnie's feeling pretty good about where he's landed because he, you know, they always said that all you need is a roof and beer money and he's living with his parents and working at an old folks home where he doesn't really have to do anything. So he's, uh, he's got it set. Um, so Ron like doesn't want Donnie to mess up things with like Melinda. So he sort of charges Casey with babysitting him and Casey, um, you know, hears that Donnie lives with his parents and uses this as ammunition against Henry, who has decided that he's going to leave party down and move home with his parents. Yeah. So this is like a great teachable moment of like. I'm going to use this and and have this as ammunition and hopefully steer you away from making that decision because mm-hmm. you don't want to end up like Donnie. And Donnie's like, what are you talking about? This is great. This is the end game. Because they're like, well, what what's the next plan? Like, what are you going to do yeah. next? And he's like, what do you what do you mean? Like, I live in my parents' garage. Mm-hmm. Like, I can do whatever I want. And yeah, the more Henry is sort of exposed to donnie's demeanor which is Mm -hmm. increasingly drunk throughout the episode mind you yes he's like oh maybe this isn't such a great idea and casey's like i'm trying to tell you man like you don't want to move home with your parents yeah like don't leave don't Um, go anywhere yeah so like they they're in in their conversation with donnie um you know we get donnie's backstory he moved home after he tore his scrotum working as a rodeo clown that's when you know you got to pack it in. Sounds like bad. Your your rodeo cloud days are done. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, so they like when they're talking about the pros and cons of living at home with your parents. Um, you know, very quickly, like you know, Henry's asking these questions about Donnie's situation, but it's really like this thinly veiled metaphor for what is going on between Henry and Casey. He's like, well, did any of the other rodeo clowns ever ask you to stay? And Donnie's like, well, yeah, actually something like that did happen. And then like Casey and Henry walk off and he's just like, that's cool. Just leave in the middle of asking me a question. (laughs) Uh, What a mess. Um, mess. Yeah. So that's what's going on there. Um, But like, Ron is starting to like, even if the rest of his classmates are not impressed with his party down leadership, like Melinda is starting to take a shine to him and they go back into the kitchen and start, you know, they're hitting it off and they're sort of talking about like, oh, look at where we were in high school and where we are now. They talk about their big dreams. Melinda wanted to be a senator. Ron was going to collect more frogs than anyone in the world. (laughs) Naturally. Makes sense. Makes total sense. Don't give up on it, Rod. The class president and the class clown. um, And she gets drunk and she talks about the 10-year reunion where she was dreaming that Mark DeFino would show up and fall in love with her. And Ken's like, well, that 
that could still happen. And she's like, he's not coming. And he's like, but it could happen with someone else. Yeah. Like the, the like subtle as an anvil kind of uh, <laughs> mention there where it's so clear that he had a crush on her back then. Yes. And even the way that like he's interacting with her and helping her figure out like the AV is- issues that are happening with like speeches or mm-hmm. like, Ron, there's a problem here. He's like, I got it. You don't even need to worry about it. And it's like, oh God, yeah. like you can just tell. And it's so obvious obvious and painful even though he's so earnest and caring but she's like you said she's kind of taking taking a liking to it because he's very doting like he's very being like i got it yeah don't worry about it and no one else seems to give a shit the way that he does so like you know there's a level of which she's picking up on what he's she's she's seeking that kind of validation like she obviously has her own insecurities and like Ron is meeting that need for her. So it starts to seem like, you know, maybe this could be going somewhere. But then Mark <laughs> DeFino shows up. Yes. And, and Melinda sees him and she's like immediately like, Ron, who? Yeah. Go, there's a situation in the bathroom. <laughs> so Ron has to go off and deal with that. And we learned out that Mark, we learned that Mark has been running a venture marketing firm and doing some hella skiing. <laughs> hard to compete hard to compete with that ron yeah (laughs) it is hard to compete with that even though like you can totally tell that mark's a total total douche yeah 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 gives terrible terrible vibes yeah Um, yeah so so ron does go to check on the bathroom and it's donnie who has has gotten drunk and like bless joe latrullio's heart in this scene has his full ass hanging out like for a good i don't know like it's probably like five minutes it feels like it's a long time multiple minutes i couldn't pull myself away either from looking anywhere (laughs) else like i just kept being like really having your bare butt just like out there like that that is that's bravery yeah yeah that's courage we we call that courage But he did well, you know, he really gave, yeah, he gave it his all. He did it for his art and like bless his soul. (laughs) So, um, you know, so, so Donnie is like hurt that Ron has been like acting like he's too good for him. Um, and you know, Ron tells Donnie, he's like making a connection with Melinda and, um, and Donnie's like, I get it. She's single, mid-30s, nice looking, but not hot, insecure. That's fish in a barrel. <laughs> show, uh, show, show some respect to Molly Parker. Okay? I know. Deeply <laughs> um, upsetting. And he's like, it's like a movie. Score one for the losers. So um, so Ron's going to go back and looking for Melinda. Like In the meantime, Donnie has sort of spilled the beans to the rest of the party down staff about how ron got his nickname bluto and it wasn't because he was so jovial and funny it's because he sort of ruined the school event by trying to chug an entire bottle of whiskey um which is like very sad and very dangerous (laughs) um so we only got halfway through it right and then he he got alcohol poisoning and and had to be yeah he threw up everywhere and had to be taken to the emergency room Yes. Um, that sounds like just the place that he needed to be after yes. doing that. Yes. Um, so when Ron goes looking for Melinda, he finds that she's making out with Mark in a closet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Mark, you know, go, you know, says like, oh, did you hear about that loser who's waitering his own reunion and thinks everybody's going to be impressed, but they're just laughing at him. Um, and he's like, thinks it's Donnie. But then Ron's like, no, it's it's Ron. I'm Ron. 
Um, so Ron is really at a very low moment here. Mm-hmm. So he takes the stage at the reunion and chugs a full bottle of whiskey and he gets it all down, Emily. <laughs> yeah. Second time was a charm. This this go around, I guess. But, you know, with dire consequences, though, I mean, this mm-hmm. is not something to be proud of. And like I said before, he's sober. So the fact that I he's, know. he's off the wagon now, yeah. it's really sad. He uh, says, I'm a new man. I'm a success now. And Don Donnie's impressed. Yeah. He's like, woo! Everybody else is absolutely horrified. Horrified. <laughs> horrified. And uh, even, you know, uh, uh, like Casey and Henry are watching. They're like, oh, that's not good. No. You know, Kyle's watching. Eek, what What's going to happen here? You know, it's just really awkward for everyone else. Um, so that's how the party ends. Um, in the credit scene, we have Melinda chasing Mark out of the reunion, shouting, you could have told me you were married before I had sex with you. And he's like, well, you wouldn't have had sex with me if I told you that I was <laughs> married, which is fair. Um, and then she go- and then she goes and she goes over to Ron and, you know, goes to confide in him and do like, well, here we are again, the class president and the class clown. And so Ron, it looks like maybe he could have had his moment, but yeah. he barfs all over her and begs her to call an ambulance. <laughs> I don't know what would have been worse for him, though, like a sloppy seconds or mm. just like barfing the way that he does, you know, either way, it's disrespectful. <laughs> And a real low point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. There were some good quotes from this episode. I really liked um, you know, so Bobby and Roman argue about like the the dolphins, like the dolphin laughter, and like Roman says, Oh, it just sounds like normal dolphins. You're not a dolphin scientist. <laughs> Um, yeah, Henry comments that he doesn't even know where Destiny's balls are. <laughs> um, and oh, um, when Ron's trying to impress Melinda, he gives her some wine. This is the good stuff, a personal gift from Dennis Quaid's manager's lawyer. What's Dennis Quaid like? <laughs> I don't know, but his manager's lawyer's kid is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is definitely a Ron Donald Downer yes. episode. Um, yeah. Who, which caterer do we think wins the night here? Roman and Kyle did not have a lot to do in no. this episode. No, they were pretty quiet. Um, I would say maybe I give it to Bobby St. Brown because she was so hilarious and it was exciting oh. to see her. Oh, I forgot to mention Casey does ask Henry to stay at the and end of this does. episode and he yeah. does. So I think yeah. maybe, maybe Henry does win this episode perhaps yeah. like sure. this is good. That's what he wanted. He wanted Casey to ask him to stay. Um, all right, the final episode that we will discuss today, Emily, is yes. this episode 10, the Steinhauser Pong Wedding Reception, directed by Brian Gordon and written by John and Bob. This episode, Emily, is the influential Hollywood producer uh, Steinhauser's wedding. Um, mm-hmm. That Party Down is ostensibly catering, but there's a twist. We've heard of Valhalla in the Mm -hmm. whisperings of other dialogue, Mm -hmm. but we've never seen Valhalla until today. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Valhalla Catering shows up and they uh, inform Ron, uh, the Kristen Bell's character, Uda Banked, informs Ron that Valhalla will uh, will be taking charge of this 
party and that um, Party Down will just be doing the prep work and supporting them. Um, and Party Down staff will not be allowed to mingle with the guests in the party, um, which is very disappointing because there's a lot of like fancy, important people that are going to be at this wedding. Yeah, this is like sort of the closest we've ever gotten to seeing what a back of house situation kind of looks like mm. because everybody in Party Down is not allowed to go and be front of house yeah. until Kyle gets promoted and uh, when Roman is put out by the bathroom sign. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, everyone's in the back kind of making sure that hors d'oeuvres are being expedited and put onto the correct trays. The trays are color coded. We have allergies and all sorts of dietary restrictions we need to be aware of. But you're seeing sort of how Valhalla is run very strict. Mm -hmm. It's 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 a it's a real science. We have Kristen Bell with a with a headpiece in. Yes. She's constantly fielding information and talking on the earpiece and then talking to all of her staff around her. Everyone has to be a certain age and very attractive in order <laughs> for them to even be able to go out onto the floor with orders. Yes. Um, there are fireworks for this wedding. So this is a, a really, really big reception that's mm -hmm. very significant in scope. And Party Down just cannot be trusted uh, to interact with anybody beyond themselves. Yeah. I even agree. then we have an issue there, right? Like yeah. not everyone's doing so hot here. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of uh, Uda Banks here, Kristen Bell's character, Emily? Do you have a lot of Kristen Bell experience yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe not with like the earpiece, but it's, uh -huh. I, I've done enough events, either mm -hmm. not necessarily catering, but just event production where mm -hmm. I've dealt with people who are type A beyond belief, who have a schedule, who want you to adhere to the schedule, who will tell you you're mi nine minutes behind. Uh huh. You know, they want to get it done. They want to get it done correctly. And there's no room for error. I'm very used to that that energy and that vibe. You, are, do you agree with her assessment that that's how you have to be to to succeed in this kind of job? I've worked with people who are a little bit more easygoing, but still get shit done. Okay. There is a fine mm -hmm. line there. Mm -hmm. I don't think you have to be that cutthroat because she can be pretty mean to a lot of people and very cold. I think that there's a way in which you can be fun and engaging, but also still adhere to the schedule. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a delicate balance, I would yeah. say. Yeah. The history here with Uda and Party Down is that she used to work for Party Down. So yes. she and Ron have this history. And now she's a member of the Valhalla catering team, which obviously like has a better reputation, I think, than Party Down. And she kind of comes in and is very insulting to Ron. Um, Ron is still trying to pick up the pieces from his reunion. Um, it took a lot out of him. So he's using this new motivational system. Um, he says, uh, what does he say? Like, I, I am the boat and I am the captain. <laughs> I mean, he's basically cherry picked his way through these episodes. You know, he's like, okay, I'm going to like try to like get myself through this. It's almost like he kept some of the team building cards and was talking himself through this. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, to see him just absolutely devastated by this reunion and then have Kristen Bell walk in with her whole entire team, have Uda say to him, well, you didn't read the memo. Mm -hmm. Let me show you the memo that you didn't read. You know, mm -hmm. just like you idiot. And clearly she doesn't think much of him. No. Generally. Yeah. yeah. So. She tells him like, you know, he, he tries to sort of defend himself that he's like, you know, getting 
you know, that, that he's come a long way. He's team leader. He's going to open up a super crackers. And she says, well, I've been inside a super crackers and I know that you can't be a fucking idiot and run one. And that completely breaks him. Jake's his confidence because he's worried. What if I am a total idiot and I'm going to mess this up. So Ron ends up being disheartened and going hiding out in the van um i think the story is he went to pee and then he got tangled up and so he ends up pantsless in the van going through a whole bottle of vodka um and is sort of missing an action for the first two-thirds of this event yeah and so henry kind of finds himself thrust into the position of being team leader whether he wanted to be or not because ron's just totally gone yeah so He's seeing the sort of dire circumstances of this and realizing, okay, we got to get moving here. We have these Filipino chefs that are coming in and throwing very ornate and intricate hors d'oeuvres at us. And we have to get it right. We have to put it on the right platters and make sure the color codes line up with what's on here. Mm -hmm. And so he's working really hard. He's kind of like, okay, guys, like we got to, we got to get going here. And we figure out like Bobby St. Brown is like totally a hundred, a hundred percent tripping on shrooms. Like yeah, she's yeah, yeah. absolutely so- out of her mind. <laughs> so um, the way that this comes to light is Bobby accidentally organizes the appetizers on one of the plates into the shape of a swastika and says, oh, I made it into that Nazi thing. It started out as a snowflake. Um, and then we learned that she's on mushroom. When I'm yeah. in nature, I usually drop a cap. Nature is so large. If you can see it really clearly, you can expand your consciousness nearly to infinity. Yeah. So she's just like wasted space at this point. There's not going to be much that comes oh, out yeah. of her that's no, that's productive she... in this particular circumstances. Yeah. yeah. Henry really steps up like not only to just kind of like hold it down, but he's also like protecting Ron here yes. because he wants like he doesn't want Ron to get fired. He wants Ron to get his super crackers so he's really covering for ron um he starts out this episode like kind of feeling in a high like he tells casey i finally feel okay with my life like i don't care that the job is dumb and that my acting career is over because like i can just be here we can goof off like a lot of how i'm feeling has to do with you and casey like just sort of interrupts him and takes a call and she becomes very preoccupied with this other job that yeah. she um, it might hear about at some point during the wedding. So Casey's like not very serious about, um, you know, slinging d'oeuvres and organizing things correctly. She's very distracted. Um, Roman has the ulterior motive of really wanting to meet George Takei. Yes. Not George Takai. People no. have been saying it wrong for years. Um, yeah. Who's going to be one of the party guests. Um, so, you know, he is very disappointed at first to learn that they're not allowed to be out in the in the actual party. But Uta pulls him aside and says that she he has the very important job of directing guests to the restroom by standing next to a sign, Emily, <laughs> that says restrooms and has an arrow on it (laughs) and he's absolutely insulted by this role even though it does get him out of the barn basically Mm -hmm. because that's where they're putting all of the hors d'oeuvres together is in a barn on site but he's really like honestly you want me to point to the sign she's like yep can you do that (laughs) 
And he's like, okay. He's like, fine. you want me to stand here like a douchebag all night next to a sign? And Uta says, do it in whatever style you like. But yes. <laughs> and I mean, there is some value to this because um, having done enough events <laughs> over the years, I do know this for a fact. People don't read. They really don't read. <laughs> well, we see this kind of happen where, you know, first of all, Roman is not good at the show. No, she's the absolute worst person for it. She's um, the worst person at the show. Yeah. Like at some point, like this woman like comes by and is like, oh, is is, is the restroom over here? And Roman's like, I don't know. And then she- and he's like, I am here to direct you to the sign. She's like, okay, well, the sign says the restroom over here. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I, yeah, I don't know. And then, she, then you, we find out that he's actually turned the sign. Yeah, he backwards. moved the sign. Yeah, to just yeah. mess with her. He's he's the worst. Um, yep. But it things sort of take a turn in his favor when George to 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 has to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So Roman follows him in, and Emily, I think that this is the kind of thing you were alluding to when people do not know how to behave <laughs> around celebrities. Yeah, and it's not a surprise that it's coming from Roman of all people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's he wants to pick George Takei's brain about all of the different things from Star Trek, and mm-hmm. he, he, I'm a huge fan. And George Takei's like, I have to pee pretty badly. I'm not going to stop and chat <laughs> yeah. with you. Like, I gotta go. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And then he can't help himself. He follows him into the bathroom and yeah. sets himself up right next to him at the other urinal. And then he's he's just diving in. He's asking him all these questions about mind meld and like all of these other things. And meanwhile, you're noticing as the viewer, at least I was, that you don't hear anyone peeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's like eventually he's like, Oh, is it like a performance? And then George Takei is like, you know, no, I'm I'm like I just like it's the talking. So Roman <laughs> stops talking for like two seconds. And then once George starts peeing, he like launches right in. He's like, so about the mind meld, is there a biophysical principle behind it? Because it kind of seems like magic and there's no place for magic and hard sci-fi. Of just course. Like, I don't know, dude, like ask uh, Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not here him. to tell you all this. Yeah. Yeah. But eventually, you know, Roman is like, leaves his post, goes out to the wedding. Um, Kyle has also uh, gets pulled into the wedding because one of Valhalla's um, staff has been injured. Um, yeah, and he stepped on like a like a like a bee or something like that. Was that right? I don't. Yeah, something. She's like, like that. you have to be aware of these scenarios that could come up in a in a property like this. <laughs> So he gets pulled to serve on the floor because the guy at the bathroom is too funny looking and you're too old is what Uta tells Henry. Um, Yeah. And uh, Kyle asks, will I I be able to see the fireworks? You will be present for the fireworks, but you're not allowed to look up. (laughs) So Kyle also ends up uh, mingling with the guests. Um, he introduces himself to Steinhauser, who recognizes him and, um, you know, tells him, like, I do anything to be in this movie and you know steinheiser sort of takes it as a sexual advance and he's like well you know there's other producers here Mm -hmm. so kyle ends up being set up with other producers under these pretenses and ends up booking a base jumping movie (laughs) so we hear um bobby (laughs) bobby also escapes the barn emily (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she gets out kind of early. Like she mm-hmm. she's wandering around during <laughs> cocktail hour and like, basically like inserts herself into a a group round conversation with the newlyweds, mm-hmm. which is a gay couple and she goes, "Well, how do you know if someone's gay?" 
And they're like, excuse me? She's like, I've been uh, having sex with a guy and he makes this face. And I just wonder. And you're like, oh, my God. And luckily, Valhalla's team is on it. They pull her away away. pretty quickly. You know, no one's deeply offended. They're just kind of like, oh, boy, who got out of the barn kind of situation. And so she's brought back to the barn and not allowed to leave. <laughs> not allowed to leave. That's a good call. That's the right call. It's yes. that this is when she says, I see lemons. And they're like, oh, no, that's good because there really are lemons. And she says, no, these are sun eggs. Yeah. She's like trying to dress the hors d'oeuvre plate up. And Kyle's trying to like quietly take everything off that she's been putting onto it that are that's incorrect. And she, yeah, she's putting whole lemons on there. Like she's making an absolute mess of things. So she's not to be trusted at this point time um henry uh you know like as you know it's eventually he finds ron in the van he's trying to give ron a pep talk to get him out there he really wants ron to put on a good face here so that he doesn't mess up his job so he can still have this opportunity with alan duck um <laughs> and ron is really depressed and he's like you know and henry finally like gives him this very inspirational message that mm. works that gets him out and back in the game. Don't, Don't stop, stop believing. believing. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, the journey song. And he's like, yeah, it's just really great, Henry. I just really appreciate it. Your, your good friend. He's like, forget this motivational s- system. I'm writing down everything that Henry says. Um, that's what he needed to hear. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes something just hits you, Emily, at the right time in the right place. And it's exactly what you needed to hear. And that's what Ron needed to hear. Yes. So they kind of like prop him up. They take the blame for everything that goes wrong during the night. Um, And uh, it looks like it looks like they're basically holding it together. Then George Takei comes in. Mr. George Takei, who has a yes. shellfish allergy. Yes. Yes. Is- who was instructed to eat off of certain platters because some had shellfish and some did not. Mm-hmm. So he was adhering to the color-coded system as he was told. But it looks like there is some sort of cross-contamination or it's it, him were, wrong. Yeah, or, yeah. Or things were not sorted properly. Yes. Perhaps like the people who were goofing around and tripping on mushrooms might have made a mistake. <laughs> so um, so he's in like full anaphylaxis with like puffy red face, like yes. can barely talk. They bring him back to the barn. Um, Kyle continues to like pepper him with questions <laughs> about star trek and this oh, moment, roman yeah 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 a roman does yeah. yeah and this moment um alan duck uh who is of course played by ken jung comes in um and the assumption is that he's there to fire ron for having botched this whole thing yes. but actually emily super crackers super might crackers. have a space available basically he's coming in and he's like yeah let's talk about this i found i found a viable space like come out and chat with me really quick and ron's face turns from a frown to like pure joy because this is all he's been waiting That's for he's been put off for nine episodes otherwise of of alan duck saying no not the right time not interested another time so the fact that he's showing up and he really wants to talk to ron about this specifically even in light of george decay turning into like a you know a bright red mess over here he's like nope i'm here to talk about super crackers come with me this is what happens emily when you don't stop believing that's right that's totally right um so we see 
Ron follow him out. But then, you know, Uda's there and she's like, how did this happen? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And what we've also learned in the interim is that Casey did get this job. On a cruise ship. On a cruise ship. And this was a thing that was distracting her the entire wedding so far. And she was sort of waiting to hear back from it. And she sort of mildly mentions this at one point to Henry. But he doesn't really understand the extent of it. And so she pretty quickly tells him right before she admits to Uda that, yeah, I got the job. It's actually on a cruise ship and it's a six month cruise. And he's like, wait a second, what? Like, you haven't even talked to me about this. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, I've been trying to talk to you about it the whole entire day. But like, we've been just absolutely crazed. And that's not a great excuse. I feel like she probably should have told him when she went to audition for this. Right, 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 right. Like, you don't just find this out all in 24 hours, start to finish, right? This is something that had to have been on her radar for a a minute at least. But And she has to leave early and pack her bags because it starts tomorrow right so this is a a bomb that Casey has decided to drop basically and she takes the opportunity of Uda coming in ready to kind of slap someone's wrist for the decay Mm -hmm. poisoning (laughs) you know poisoning yeah Yeah. she she's like what's going on here who did this how did this happen and it's so easily you know something that we could blame on Ron because he's team leader, but obviously he was MIA for this entire scenario. So Casey takes it upon herself to kind of step in front of everyone and say, listen, I'm the one you could fire. I'm the one that screwed up all of your hors d'oeuvres. Please feel free. I'm, I'm the one that should take the blame. In fact, I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. I should just quit because this isn't right for me and, and you guys shouldn't have to deal with this. And so that's an easy out for her, I think, in that way, but not yeah. such an easy out for her with Henry. Yeah. Yeah. So Henry is kind of left with this at the beginning of the episode, feeling like he's finally like getting some peace about mm-hmm. his life and feeling optimistic about things, largely because of Casey, to at the end, knowing that Casey is leaving to go on this cruise ship for six months with their relationship very much up in limbo. And in this very moment, Uda Banks from Valhalla Catering approaches Henry and gives him her card and says, um, I would like to see you. You should give me a call. And Henry's like, oh, no, I mean, I I work a party down. I'm not going to go to Valhalla. And she's like, no, no, no. I mean, I'd like to see you socially. Um, And, you know, discloses like, you know, I like I like these kinds of films. I'm free on Mondays. It's not a good night for restaurants, but we can do this. this. (laughs) Listen, Um, Mondays are actually a great night for restaurants most of the time. Aren't a lot of restaurants closed on Mondays? Some of them are. Some of them are. But, you know, some of them aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Good reservation. Um, so, so we see that Henry is left with this new opportunity with Uda and also he's getting promoted to team leader now that Ken is vacating that position yes. to open a super crackers. Yes. Yes. So Ron's going to leave and Henry's going to step in and his whole world has imploded and changed in mm-hmm. probably a 12 hour yeah. day. Yeah. Crazy. Um, and that is the season one finale. Yes. Yes. Um, There were a couple of good quotes that I just wanted to get back 
to really just a couple because we've hit so many of them um, along the way. But um, Bobby says there's nothing gay about a gay wedding. <laughs> um, oh and uh, yeah, and um, we we hit so many of Constance of not I'm sorry Bobby's fun quotes when she was uh, tripping. But um, you know I'm the boat, I'm the captain. That is our motivational quote. And um, when uh, Kyle suggests that Uda needs to get laid, uh, she says, tell the blonde, thanks for the concern, but I got laid three weeks ago, so I'm good. <laughs> um, very fun performance here by yes. Kristen Bell as Uda Banks. And then um, we have uh, the great George Decay, who is yes. always a pure delight uh, when he when he appears. Um, so who do we think is the caterer that wins this episode? I think Henry wins because he worked his butt off. Yeah. I think he wins even though he's like probably pretty low, yeah. like emotionally. It's yeah. like he sort of like wins in spite of himself, but he, he rises to the occasion and he yes. shows team leadership qualities. He does. He does. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's the perfect pick to follow in Ron's footsteps, at least yes. for the, for the interim. And this is a Ron Donald do episode. This is a great yeah. episode for Ron. Like, yeah. even though he still comes in kind of low, um, still struggling with the drinking, um, you know, he didn't stop believing and no. he held on to his dream and, um, you know, love him for that. And Alan Duck is going to give him this opportunity of his lifetime to run a Super Crackers. We love it. <laughs> it's Which great. Which party here, Emily, would you most like to go to of these five? Is it the Sweet 16? Is it the, um, what's the second? The, is corporate, it, oh, the event? corporate event. No. The corporate retreat. Hard pass no. for me. Um, is it celebrating Ricky Sargalesh or is it the high school reunion or the wedding? I think I'd want to go to the wedding because I love going to weddings. I have a very good time at weddings. I think weddings are a great celebration. Um, and also I think I would feel awkward at any other, uh, event that we just discussed. I wouldn't yeah. want to go to the corporate event. I would hate that. The sweet 16 is not my demographic. No. I would feel very <laughs> uncomfortable being at a sweet yeah. 16. Um, I would say Ricky Sargalesh is terrifying, even mm -hmm. though I probably have fun and they'd recognize me from something random I did. Uh, like maybe like, they the know a pastor. Oh, the famous podcast. Yeah. Um, or and I, I think the 20th high school reunion just seems so difficult Depressing, to go to. Yeah. 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 The wedding, I think, is the clear winner i think that the one that i would least like to go to is probably the corporate yeah. retreat even though yeah. it really is a race to the bottom here there's a bunch of these events that yeah. i wouldn't want to go to yeah. um well this was this was great emily um we're now done with season one we're moving into season two so fun to get jennifer coolidge in this back half here mm -hmm. like I think that these are some of the funniest episodes um, in this back half stretch here of season one. Um, so where can everybody keep up with everything that you're doing? I am on Instagram and on Twitter uh, my, with my handle Emlet, which is like omelet, but spelled with an E at the front. And what about you, Dr. Amanda? Um, so I am on Twitter where I am Dr. Amanda R. That's D-R Amanda R. I um just got to talk to Grace Leader about P.T. Goldman, the series on Peacock TV, which Amazing. is really, really a trip. Um, definitely an experience, something that I 
I, I, I do recommend, albeit, you know, tentatively, if you had, if you were interested in the rehearsal, I think that this is up your alley. Cool. Um, so, um, definitely check out that. Um, and yeah, and then that, and just keep up with everything else that I'm doing on Twitter. Amazing. So Emily, with that, we end our podcast and we ask the seminal question. Are oh, we having, having fun yet? yet. <laughs> I am. Great job. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.